Hi, everyone. This is Matt Price, one of the hosts for the longest-running Dynasty-focused podcast on the planet, the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you an episode packed with relevant and actionable Dynasty information that you can use to help win your league. When I'm in the host chair, we might even play a game or two. We are always open to topic suggestions, so if there's something you'd like to hear us discuss, please let us know. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. This is, in fact, a member of the DLF family of podcasts. Welcome in. This is the third part of my conversation with Tom Kisslingberry from England and also mostly IDP fame, but we're both content creators over at uh, Dynasty League Football, and Tom knows an awful lot about offense as well. I um, recommend everyone check him out. Obviously, if you listen to part one or two, you you already know he's worth listening to. In this third part, um, we start to talk about wide receivers a lot more, sophomore and um, wide receivers specifically that we might want to target, but also a few other names turn up later on. For example, we're talking about the Arizona situation before we knew that Bill O'Brien will literally trade you his diamonds for... I don't know, what, what is that? Ramen coupons that he got for DeAndre Hopkins? Um... Needless to say, that exaggerates my fears around the wide receiver core and how deep it is. I still have a lot of hope for Christian Kirk. Um, Andy Isabella drops a little bit um, in his potential. And that's not because there are less targets available and that typical myth. It's it's just because there's, frankly, a limited number of players that are on the field at any one time. <laughs> Um, and even Arizona targeting their wide receivers at one of the highest rates um, since 2009. It actually ranks 23rd, by the way. I've been recently doing research on my projections for 2020 and looking at wide receiver, tight end, and running back usage in the passing game. And despite the high level of wide receiver usage for Arizona in 1919, um, 1919? 2019. Come on, Pete, don't go too far back in time. Um, uh, it still only ranks 23rd, uh, the 23rd most targeted position um, for any team since 2009. So, like, we've seen a lot higher usage before. Um, that rate actually correlates year over year to about 27%, which is slightly higher than tight end. So it's a little more trustable, but 27% of the variance is almost nothing. So it, we can see a large amount of change in that number. Um, I've, I... Sorry, I just realized I'm recording a second podcast here. Um, no, uh, Arizona wide receivers are an interesting proposition for 2020. Me and Tom talk about them, but it's before the DeAndre Hopkins trade. I think most of what we said actually still fits. It's just you know now a, a further downgrade um, for someone like Andy Isabella. Um, really hope you enjoy the conversation. There's some really interesting deep names um, from the 2020 class we talked about in here. Um, and personally, I always love those deep name flyers, and there are always a great number of them at wide receiver, to be honest with you. Um, and Tom's had some really interesting thoughts on them, so I enjoyed it. I hope you do too. Um, this concludes my entire interview with Tom Kissingberry, so don't worry, there's not going to be a fourth and fifth and sixth part. Um, this is the final part. Hopefully I'll get to talk to Tom again sometime soon. And I uh, can't wait to have him back on the podcast. It was a joy. Uh, thanks again. Hit us up at Dynasty Crossroads. Hit me up at PA Howdy. Hit Tom up at Tom Kisslingberry. And I know it's a difficult name to spell, but it's in the show notes. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, we'll see you again next week on the Crossroads. Thanks very much. Hope you're happy, healthy, and safe.
bye like i just got into a conversation about marcus brown and some other interesting names uh calvin Harmon and preston williams from last year's class mm-hmm. and uh, um you know people people are probably talking more about deontay johnson but those three are the ones that um mostly interested in understanding right now do you have so uh, basically just to recap we all loved kelvin Harmon, right we thought he was a fantastic player um in one league where we draft yep. rookies before the nfl draft I, I spent like the 107 on him or something like that and then he dropped all the way to the sixth round and i was sitting there watching my value go oh um so everyone everyone got out on him and washington was clearly a tire fire so nobody enjoyed that at all and i i'm not sure that people really noticed how much Kelvin Harmon was used late in the season. He, he basically, after their bye week in week 10, and obviously the coaching uh, changed, he was sort of out there running routes on every single snap, and he started getting a little bit more usage and, and looking okay. So I am sort of cautiously confident about him um, being at least useful. In, uh, when we say useful, we're talking about wide receiver three, if he's lucky. Um but that's a lot better than it looked uh, for most of last year. What do you think about him? Yeah, basically the exact same story on Harmon after his six-round draft pick. Um, looking at it through expected points, he got at 70 expected points last year, or 70.7 if you want to be really nerdy about it. He was a little inefficient, minus 4.2 fantasy points under expected. Um, the model takes that into account and drops him a little bit. But based on the fact this is his rookie season, um, and it's comparing past rookie seasons to what they did the following year. It actually projects him for around wide receiver three-level volume, which is pretty impressive. And something I haven't mentioned, which I should have, this my models, these two little things are also taking into account draft picks. Um, and so where he was a two, he was mm. like pick 206, it actually takes away about nine, nine to ten of those expected points because it's saying he's lowered drafted therefore he's less likely to get as much volume but that still puts him in the wide receiver three range which is really interesting for a guy i'm not sure anyone remembers still exists and where everyone (laughs) wants terry mcclellan and i get it i'm gonna have to take the loss on him everyone else is gonna be right and he's michael thomas the second only a very different player obviously (laughs) whatever even if i accept all of that like Harmon coming up like you said late in that year like he's just under preston williams who i think more people remember um, because he got injured, Devontae Parker took over and everything else. So Harmon turning up this way when look, looking at the opportunity, how efficient he was and where he was drafted and still getting potentially wide receiver three numbers, that's a, that's why I asked you about him. That's really interesting. So yeah, yeah, really I almost want to go back in on my Kelvin Harmon love because of it. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about Preston Williams as well, and and he terrifies me. And He's one of those players. I, I, I see this weird phenomenon, and I'm interested to see if you see it as well, that we as fancy owners value much more players that we got free or from waiver wires or who mm-hmm. had some sort of explosion of value than we do people we paid more um, in terms of assets to get hold of because everyone loves this idea that you pick this guy up for nothing on waivers, nobody wanted him, and he suddenly became great, right? Like Stefan Diggs or Arian Foster or someone like that. And I, I think... Um, Preston Williams is one of those because he, he obviously wasn't much heralded and sort of people got on him early and, and thought he was going to be amazing. So everyone's got this inflated opinion of him. But I, I don't see any way the Dolphins are going to be good again next year. They they haven't they've got maybe one offensive lineman who's worthy of the name. So <laughs> I, I don't know how they're going to get a quarterback and another four linemen and everything else they need on this team. Um, 
because they're dolphins and they, they tend to go for the shiny thing and they'll probably draft a wide receiver or, and a running back early or something like that. So if they're not going to be good, then it's going to be difficult to see Preston Williams really getting a lot of volume or efficiency. Yeah, there's some kind of conflict in the Dolphins, and this is why ignoring teams is sometimes helpful. Like, I'm not so worried about a situation where wide receiver works a little different. I'm less concerned with draft capital. I think they can make themselves relevant a little bit more than running backs. Like, for example, this this little expected point thing I made just takes 30 expected points right off the top because he's an undrafted free agent. They're like, nope. Mm. But I am also aware, just tracking these things for long enough, that teams can get forced into using them. But there is a weird conflict in the Dolphins I've spoken about before, where they seem to get fairly good profiles or prospects late in drafts and then refuse to use them until it's nearly time to get rid of them. And like Rashad Matthews is the, the case study here, where he was just never used. And then in his contract year, and they had no choice, they put him on the field. It's like, oh, look, there's a wide receiver too. And then they had to lose him. And he didn't, you know, blow up when he went to Tennessee, but he continued to be a good NFL player. So what the hell were the Dolphins doing? Because they had no good NFL players outside of Jarvis Landry before that. Like he could have been helping them. Um, and they, they seem to do this perpetually year after year. And occasionally someone like Rashad Matthews forces himself onto the field or Preston Williams. Um, so, yeah, it's awkward to read the Dolphins that way. If I just ignore that, like he comes up as well next year as Nikhil Harry does. And that's because Nikhil Harry gets a boost for being a first round pick and Preston Williams gets dinged for being an undrafted free agent. And where I think these players can force the issue a little bit more because of their skills and then at running back, like I'm, I'm right at value with Preston Williams. I think he's got top 24 upside. I think he's valued slightly below that or a lot below that because he's an undrafted free agent. So he's more likely the guy I'm going to hold on out hope for. And that's where I go with it. <laughs> like it felt like I had more to say. And I was like, no, I think I got to the end of it. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's really interesting. I think that's a good example of, of how we assess this differently. Um, Cause we just come at it from different places. Right. Um, and realistically, yes, that is within his range of possibilities. But I think we've probably, you, you think he can be a wide receiver two. I've, I've probably think he can be a wide receiver three. We're not that far apart. That's probably only a difference of, you know, maybe 10 or 15 catches uh, or something like that and, a, and 100 or 200 yards and a couple of touchdowns. It is interesting as well, because when we're talking about dynasty, like this is the difference between winning your league and winning value. Like these guys might really help you out in the value department more than the competitive winning your league sense so and also i get to like love another undrafted free agent which is a big thing for me <laughs> so i have a lot of bias here like take that into account like i want to hashtag undrafted free agents matter as preston williams puts up another 10 point game like it's like it's a deep need and um, so you should adjust for that <laughs> in your own prospecting and your own trading in your own leagues but um yeah i want it to happen pretty bad <laughs> so what do you think about my boy um jj arthega whiteside because i loved him last year uh and obviously his rookie year was pretty disastrous um yeah. do you think there's a chance he could turn that around there's always a chance man I, w- I was really high on jj um and i'm just taking the just taking the loss right now like he doesn't have as much protection from his draft capital as Harry, and he had as about a terrible as a year. Only he wasn't injured or off the field because Tom Brady didn't like him. Like all of that is bad. He had a Laquan Treadwell-ish introduction to the NFL with no real Ooh. excuse. And to be very clear, 
he was a great prospect based on the way I evaluate it. Like I have JJSA Whiteside a lot, but he just has less protection from things like draft capital. Uh, less excuses from things like opportunity. Like I think he was on the field a lot, rarely got targeted, which to me means he's not earning those targets because I think targets are something you earn, not Wentz hates him or anything. And then the few times he did get targeted, like he won great with them. Um, anything can turn around, and I'm not going to be able to sell JJS Egg Whiteside like at all. And because there's always hope, and young wide receivers retain value a little bit especially going into the third, fourth season, people still want to take shots on him over running backs. But um, yeah, I'm really, I, I really, I don't see a lot of uh, sunshine in these clouds, man. I thought you were going to make me much happier. And I'm sorry, Tom. Sad. I am. Yeah, you're I brought you here just person. to crush your dreams. Um, he, <laughs> he has a great rookie profile and I do hold on to those, but I'm trying to get slightly better at it. And where, well, you, you track snap percentages more than I do. Like he was on the field a lot, right? I'm not wrong on that. Yeah, yeah, he was. He he played um, a decent amount in the end, but uh, you sort of mentioned this earlier. Snaps are so much less predictive for running back uh, for right. wide receivers than they are for running backs. So I, I put a lot less stock. But he played slightly less than five hundred snaps, and really a lot of those came in in three games um, where he had to be a starter. Basically, half his snaps came in in three games. Um, so I agree with you. I, I think it's pretty clear the team just did not really like him or trust him um and he wasn't out mm. there and and year two is is normally cliche alert uh but it, it's the biggest jump we see from players right because they come in as rookies and they go oh, i'm charlie big potatoes i'm so brilliant <laughs> oh my golly this nfl thing's really hard and then yeah. they sort of learn in in second year and, and they normally get better so that is true I'm crossing my fingers but but you know and i want to believe in his rookie profile be very clear if you want jjsa goit said i'm not telling you not to get him because i do believe in his rookie profile but there were questions on it anyway. Like he had so much of his production through touchdowns, which I thought maybe could be a saving grace on the Eagles. Last year, he got four targets in the red zone. He didn't do so well in contested catch situations. Like you said, he could learn a lot this off season and come back in and completely, you know, justify our, our pre-draft and post-draft rankings on him. But like the Eagles didn't see it. Um, to use your teams know more than I do. Um, and he didn't force the issue by earning more targets by the way I look at players. Like, it's all kind of bad. Um, like, Harry and JJ Sega Whiteside are both in that same bucket. I'm still in on Harry because his profile was actually a lot better than JJ's, even though he had a good one. And um, he has a little more draft capital projection. There's a little more excuses around him because of injuries, because <laughs> of, you know, Tom Brady narratives. So, that's what I, I for my players more excuses. But, yeah, exactly. And, and I love excuses. Uh, if they're reasonable, right? If you can find some kind of history behind it, players that have the type of rookie seasons that they do. Like, we, I've heard this as well. Like, yes, rookies aren't expected to do much. When I'm going down, huh, I nearly said that in a weird way. When I'm coming down from my projection or hope from them <laughs> as a rookie, um, from someone like Harry and JJ Segway, say, I do not do it lightly. I hold on to these profiles deeply. And they didn't have bad rookie seasons or they did not produce in their rookie seasons. No one has come back so far in the, in the histories that I've looked at from having a rookie wide receiver season as bad as these two players had. I would love if someone could find something to say, well, if you judge them this way, they compare better to these players who then did well. I can find nothing. Now, like we said, you know, outliers happen, things happen, and we like both of these players as rookies. 
But if we're going to, you know, be Bayesian about it or whatever, there's nothing they did in their rookie seasons that compares anything like the players that eventually turned it around. And in fact, most do fairly decently in their rookie seasons. And NFL production is worth more than college production. So I want to believe in these players. I'm not going to risk losing on them just so I can, you know, stand on the hill still if they hit. But there's nothing they did in their rookie season that compares well to prospects that did well later in their career or in their second or third year. Like, I can't find any reason to have that hope outside of their rookie profile. That's where the hope lives. And that's why I go to excuses. They're narrative-driven. They're not logical. It's entirely subjective. But the fact that Nikhil Harry wasn't on the field, which doesn't save past prospects, by the way. Being injured is not an excuse. That's why it's not predictive. That's why I'm not going all in on Harry, on buying Nikhil Harry. I want to, but not for more than he was worth last year. I'll pay a discount, but I'm not paying more than I would have last year. I'm paying less. And same with JJ as well. Like, these players, do, they struggle in their rookie year, so I need excuses. Harry's got a few. JJ has almost – I can't find any decent excuse. <laughs> so here's another couple of guys then, um, and I think I know what you're going to say. Andy Isabella and Paris Campbell. Um, are we seeing that Andy Isabella was – Yeah, it, it seems his team just thinks he was bad. And although I do believe teams know more than us, there's obviously exceptions to that. The Jets, yeah. the Dolphins, <laughs> the Giants. I'm, I'm pretty sure I know more than all of them. Um, and then Paris Campbell was, was sort of hurt and a bit of a gimmicky player coming out of college anyway. So are, are you more confident about them than I am? I am. And I have an excuse for him. Again, it's an excuse, not something that's predictive. But JJ I got less volume last year um, than the Q Harry and Preston Williams and Kelvin Harmon and and um, JJ Sega Whiteside. So that all looks bad, literally the way I was just describing a Sega and Harry. The thing with um, Isabella is he got so much less volume and was so much more efficient with it. Efficiency, back to the Blair Andrews uh, positivity. Like, he didn't get enough volume for him to really meet that threshold, but he was, like, he he scored at least one that I remember long-distance touchdown, and at least that's positive. And where his value is already below both of those players, he's a lot easier to acquire. He predicts, you know, according to this, a little expected points thing, and um, to have again wide receiver three four volume next year based on past rookie profiles, just because of his efficiency. But where he's lower in value, um, and was last year, and he was at least efficient. He was good on the touches he got. Like that gives me a little more hope for Andy Isabella. But again, talking about what other smart people that I listen to have said, um, while listening to the Trade Addicts podcast again call back to the one I literally just listened to and um, they were talking about how this Arizona team doesn't seem happy with its wide receiver makeup Larry Fitzgerald is staying on great cool we love Larry um, but they've got Christian Kirk who I like to love more than all of these players except the Keel Harry um, has a draft capital has been efficient on his touches and yet the quarterback is still asking for another wide receiver CD Lamb to be drafted like it seems to be a team that's not happy with its wide receivers it drafted three last year when I already thought it had two good ones and you know learning from Tom Kisslingberry you kind of got to listen to the team sometimes so I'm worried about Isabella and I'm worried about Kirk but I'm in on both of them more than those other players who haven't been good with their touches so far. 
That's fair. I mean, Andy Isabella, I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. I'm really worried about him just because his volume was so extremely low. And I get your point about efficiency, but for me, he's down at the level where small sample size just throws it out, right? He had, what, 13 targets, um, nine catches, and one of them went for an 88-yard touchdown and another went for a 55 yard touchdown so <laughs> sure he's quite he he <laughs> you know if, if one of those is is dropped instead then he, he's had what half of his uh yards uh, for his, his his season so i i think that scares me a little bit i'm not sure we can learn that much from that season no not at all all i can say is he was efficient on the touches he got it yep. looks bad and the reason I'm in on him over the other two is Isabella's a throw-in in trades, whereas Harry and JJSA Whites are probably still more of a feature of anyone you tr- any trade you get. And so, like, that's why. <laughs> it's because I'm not um, having to pay for him. He's a throw-in, he's an add-on, he's a third-round pick kind of a thing, whereas... JJ Sega Whiteside is probably still valuable. I have drafted him. And by the way, if you're talking to someone who's got JJ Sega Whiteside on the team, send them an apology from me. I may have had something to do with that. So, you know, <laughs> just like, Pete says sorry, by the way. Um, and Harry, like, like, seriously, people are valuing him slightly more or the same as last year when I really think we need to come down on his likely expectation a little bit. Don't get me wrong. If I've got Harry on my team, I'm not doing it either. <laughs> but, um, I've got two jobs here. I'm playing fantasy football for fun, so I want Harry. I'm trying to give you important, useful information so that, you know, maybe I'm somewhat of value to listen and read. And that side of me has to tell you that Harry's less likely to do well in the NFL. So, yeah, I'm wearing two hats here. Unjustifiable. Yeah, I'm just looking at Harry's. um, Harry's ADP is is really strong. He's up at 36, right? So just ahead of... Mike Williams of the Chargers, T.Y. Hilton, who's got multiple excellent seasons, even if he is a bit old. Everyone hates T.Y. Hilton. It's terrible. And Karen. Yeah, he's had him with Harmon. His ADP is too strong for me to pay it, but as a fan, yeah. I, I kind of want him. Exciting player. <laughs> you know who's down there as well? And this is such a weird one because you can't buy him and you can't sell him. Brandon Cooks. Right. Yeah, I try, I've tried buying him a few times because he's so low-valued. I'm like, a guy was injured. <laughs> People, um, he's still young. He's done nothing but good things when healthy. Like, they're just, it's a Bobby Koch role. There's some players who are always going to be perpetually undervalued, and that's Brandon Cooks, Jarvis Landry, um, and players like that. They're just, tight end's great for it. Like, um, Zach Ertz, Austin Hooper, no one is ever going to value those two guys the way they value Travis Kelsey or the way they value Dallas Goddard. It's like if they don't see him coming, then they always are just hoping they go away, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and um, yeah, Brandon Cooks is in that category. Like people didn't really see it coming, so they just kind of would like if he went away, please. <laughs> so um, yeah, like you say, I don't think he can get that value, but he's consistently ranked way too low in ADP and even in DLF ranks, which are usually pretty good with this. Like everyone wants him to just kind of go away. But he's not going away, guys. He's not going anywhere. Yeah, it's really strange. And and it's concussions, right? As soon as you hear multiple concussions, people go, it's absolutely terrifying. Do you remember when Luke Keekley got hurt in, when was it, 2015, 2016? He missed a load of time and, and people went, oh, he might never play again. His career's over. And then basically played every single snap for the next three seasons. And, right. and people still in their mind have got, oh, yeah, he had all those uh, concussions. So he missed loads of games. And it's just not true. You, you just re- remember headlines from years ago. So Brandon Cooks could easily come back and 
you know, be a really productive player, right? And and people Every, sort of, he should not pay um, attention. based on what we know. And here's the thing: concussions are all really different. As a person, I'm really worried about Brandon Cooks having multiple concussions. I hope he makes the right life choices for his medical situation between him, his doctor, and his family. But if we're just playing fantasy, like there's no reason to have him that low. Like, like yeah, you said, I, I mean, we don't know about his. Con- we're not his, and I don't mean by this like we're not doctors. We know enough to be concerned about concussions, but we're not in the room, so we don't really know the severity of the concussions. No matter what the hits look like, that's not the way concussions work. You could get right. mildly knocked and have a devastating concussion. Like we know that about concussions, not to judge it by how violent it looked. Um, because that's just spreading misinformation. It's like you can get tapped and it causes a problem. That's why concussions are an issue. That's why we have to be, as humans, worried about people playing NFL football because you get violent and nonviolent collisions and all of them could be uh, on a scale of, you know, life-threatening to mild. Um, Mild's a word we're not meant to use with concussions, I think, anymore. There's a thing as a mild concussion, but, like, something like Luke Keekley can come back from, at least. Um, yep. So, yeah, like, as a fantasy player, it makes no sense to have Brandon I'm, Cooks solo. I'm going to go and buy some more Brandon Cooks. Because the thing I've I like trying. about Brandon Cooks, <laughs> I, the three head coaches in the NFL that we know really like Brandon Cooks are Sean McVay, Bill Belichick, <laughs> and Sean Payton. Right. <laughs> That's a fairly good Mount Rushmore of, uh, of minds <laughs> in the NFL over the last few years. So if they all think he's really, really good, even if he is hurt, and obviously medical things, just like you said, we don't know, um, his, his talent is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, fair reference there to the Mount Rushmore. <laughs> to be honest, that's a good that's a good point. I never thought about looking at it that way. Like, if you're going to take three people's opinions on whether a player is good or not, that's, <laughs> that's a, a pretty pro- good start. Yeah, probably three good names <laughs> to, to start with, right? And um, yeah, I mean, he's. I don't think he's going away unless you know he decides to go away, which I would completely support as a human being. Yeah. Um, but if he chooses to play. Um, I hope that's the right decision, and he'll be good. It's, it's that simple. Um, for me as a fantasy player, anyway. And I've been trying to add him, but like you said, he's not easy to trade for. I think everyone that has him on their teams is probably people like us going, why? Why, why don't you like this guy? But if you can find that one guy who's got him in your league and he's really worried or has him undervalued, then yeah, go go, go get yourself some Brandon Cooks, man. But the person I have to, uh, to ask... The only it. English voice you hear is me. Pretty <laughs> what much. You're the, the, you're the first English accent I've legitimately heard in a while, and it's really weird. <laughs> I think it's going to be interesting for folks to hear me and you on the same podcast because everyone thinks I sound English, but when I talk to English people, I don't sound English anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> very few people sound as English as I do anyway. <laughs> oh, you're fully English, man. <laughs> you're Englished up to the nines. That's true. And it's weird that we don't hear each other's accent, right? Because we, we probably send each other texts most days. You know, we're, we're normally chatting at some point, uh, of, and it's we, we just tend not to do it over a microphone. Yeah, it's weird. Um, most of my communication happens in text these days. And who saw that coming? The invention of all this great technology and we're writing each other letters like we could have done back when texting happened. I always <laughs> refer to that with video calls and stuff. And I know they're getting better and snap face and chat blog and whatever. <laughs> um, uh, people are using that on their phones. Um, but like, I still remember when we started to get video phones but people still preferred texting. 
And I think that's just something about the nature of where we communicate. Like we're always going to prefer because it's quicker, simpler. You don't have to worry about how your hair looks. <laughs> you know. Well, we're we're all going to be doing work uh, conference calls uh, for the next few weeks. So yeah. Well, yeah, we better get used to it from now. <laughs> uh, you're right. Uh, connection connectivity is really interesting, right? And and I think we've got a good viewpoint on this because for various reasons, you and me sort of span the Atlantic and talk to various different people, and, and football brings us together with people around the world. So quite often I wake up in the morning and I talk to um, B, um, who I DP with B on Twitter, lovely guy, really good. And we sort of cross over. He's in Hawaii. So he's going to bed and I'm waking up in the morning and we have this weird sort of um, existence where we, we cross over in, in, in the twilight. But we humanity has never been as connected as we are now. And, and people have never been as lonely as they are now. So communication is just just happening in a very different way. And a lot of people get worried about that. I think it's a great thing because, you know, I get to share my love and my passion for football um, much easier. Because when I first started liking football 20 years ago, it was really hard for me to have those conversations. And now it's easy. So I, I think it's great. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? I, I think we've touched on most of the things. We, we've uh, done some pretty good value on a bunch of different players there. I, I think that's, uh, well, I certainly learned a lot. So really interesting to get together, buddy. Yeah, it's really great to get to actually literally talk to you for the first time um, and uh, uh, get to know your process a little bit better and get some interesting running back names to not trade for. I guess that's mostly what we we found out, running backs that we don't want to trade for. (laughs) Um, Really appreciate you coming on. It's been great to talk to you. Hopefully we can do it again soon because, yeah, it's not something that happened before now and it should have probably already happened a lot more. So I appreciate you coming on. um, Well, as we go through draft season... We'll have a lot of conversations, but thanks for making the time. And I, I appreciate it's slightly difficult for you um, on Saturday afternoon. So thank you very much, sir. No, no, it's actually remarkably easy. <laughs> Just lazy. Um, but no, I really appreciate it. And thanks to everyone for checking the Crossroads out. I will see you again next week. Take care. Bye. Yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the place, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that, I, I like mortar. Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore. I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so. Jake on the table and Nate on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.